Welcome everyone to Politically High Tech with your host, Elias. What episode number are we on? Who cares? Mentally, I'm all over the place. But I'm topic focused here. And once I put it out there, you'll know the number. So I have finally a second reoccurring guest. And this guy, he definitely walks the walk. He has legacy amount of experience, especially I'm going to do a shameless plug it right now. Normally don't do this early. Fighting times, folks. This He went through a lot of shit. I don't think I got half the fortitude to go through what he went through. Mentally, physically, chemically, I even David spiritually. Yeah, you know, he documents it real well. He's not just a talking head on MSNBC and CNN pretending to know the struggles and just spewing corporate talking points. He's really the real deal. He's really the real deal. Yeah. He's the real deal. I read it. I mean, I'm just going to come out and say it. I always have my fair amount of skepticism because I've been, I've been personally, personally didn't have the greatest experience with Union, but but my intuition, I follow that instead of my ego. So let's welcome Jonathan Melrod. And he is the author of this great book, The Fighting Times. So if you can see a book for video, this is your in for a treat. I'm advertising the book for him. Um, he's getting his, like free little ad, free little ad campaign, organize the front lines of the class war. Okay. Now I'll you know, I'll say this extended peak of um, unionism. And he does other things too. He's not just a union person. I think he does some legal practice as well, right? Yeah, that's one of your current roles. I've actually now, I'm just really working on the book because so many people, so many young people have gotten in contact with me. Like the young guy you met with me before, Tyler, who's a Starbucks Workers United organizer. And I've had a workshop with, you know, 15 young workers at Amazon who were reading the book and wanted to discuss it. And the list goes on and on. The Denver, there's a move to unionize the um, Denver Gallery of Art. And I was on the, they, their organizing committee, 15 people just building their union for the first time. We spoke for a good, I'd say, hour and a half. And they were really excited with some of the ideas I was able to convey because I have been doing this for a long time and I've learned a lot of lessons that that's really what I'm working on now is imparting those lessons and trying to inspire people to be part of the new movement, the new union movement that's growing up all over the country. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I am not surprised. After reading through this, I say, yeah, you could definitely back your shit up. I mean, like I say, you're not just a, a contributor to these massive corporations that pretend to know what's going on, on the ground and spewing points that I can already tell it's just bullcrap. But sadly, people trust the mainstream media less. So I think that's a good thing. Um, of course, they don't because that's ratings and that's their one of their livelihood. But again, billions of dollars of donations anyways. Oops, did I just leak? Did I say the quiet part out loud? Yes, I did. <laughs> Oh, well, I'm a, I'm a pro alternative person, even though I lean independent, don't give a rat's ass about Democratic Republican support, them not liking me, I'll wear that like a badge of honor, be a medal right there, credentials. I'm with you all the way. <laughs> you, you know, the Democrat, I especially have to attack the Democrats, especially trying to use that pro-union brand, Biden. Yes, you, you don't have that much, you know, problems upstairs just know that i'm talking about you with your pro-union crap and yet you've done things to screw the unions but somehow some union bosses kiss your ass i don't understand it but whatever i'm not gonna i'm not gonna get too deep into that so i'm gonna do a little different what do you want to talk about first the trends or your book doesn't matter to me i'm open i'm open for either however you think we can make it flow i'm with you so you know what? I think just uh, the hook, let's talk about the strike trends, the, the strike trends, because it's alive and well. And I have to say, even though I've been a cynic, but deep down inside of me, I'm actually happy that this is happening because people are just re they're revitalizing an important part of history. 
you know, don't get me wrong. I don't support the worker who is just a whiny, lazy ass. I don't. I'm just going to be absolutely clear. Someone who just want the benefits, don't do shit. I'm not that. I, I don't support those kind of people. And yeah, that's one of the few things I actually agree the bosses on. But majority of people are trying to do the right thing. They're trying to make ends meet. They are trying to survive. You know, that's what this strike is really about, because, you know, I've spoken to a lot of auto workers. And in fact, I was I was phone banking with UAW, which is the reform caucus in the UAW. And we were calling up auto workers. This was before they walked out to see if we could get people on the same page in terms of what demands to focus on. And I'll be honest with you. Every person I talked to said, I don't mind working hard, but I want to be compensated adequately for it. You know, one guy even said to me, he said, you know, I work 60 or 70 hours a week and I give my family a good life, but I don't know them because I'm working overtime. And that's that's in large part what this strike is about, is to create a more respectful workplace so that people aren't chained there so many hours a week that they can't enjoy their family life and their home life. Because for all of us, that's pretty central to what our existence really is. And, you know, that's in a good part what this strike is about. It's also about the fact that with the country switching to EV, electric vehicle production, there are 40% less workers needed to produce an electric vehicle. So that really threatens the future of the UAW and auto workers. So right now they're bargaining over four plants that are EV battery plants. And the point the union makes is that every one of them was extended a low interest loan by the Biden administration. And Biden talks about being pro-union, but in none of those loan agreements were the companies asked or told that one of the terms needed to be a labor peace agreement. What that means is that they wouldn't take a position pro or con against the union, but they would let the union organize their workers without interference. So that's a real problem because these EV plants those that are already up and running are paying a substandard wage and the working conditions are really quite dangerous around a lot of the heavy chemicals that are used to make those batteries. So, you know, there's a lot of this strike that is about taming and harnessing new technology for the working class's benefit. Just like you mentioned when we were chatting before this, the Writers and the Actors Guild strike, again, that's about new technology. Were they going to let artificial intelligence do the work that used to be done by union members? I don't really know what the final results were in the contract. I, I, I gotta get up to date on that, but I know that was a central issue. And the last example, I'll just give you this point to see how, to show how broad it is. Two weeks ago on a Tuesday, there were hundreds of Teamsters in Sacramento, urging that Gavin Newsom, the governor, sign a bill that would prohibit driverless trucks from the highways of California. And Newsom vetoed it, which really hurt both labor and for what I believe to be creates an unsafe situation. In San Francisco, we've got the most on driverless EV cars running around, and they've stopped ambulances from being able to get to places. They've stopped fire trucks because there is no brain. There is no control. It's a computer. So, you know, these technologies, unless they're really controlled by people, and unless workers really have the input of how their jobs will be impacted, then we run a real risk of the technology controlling us rather than vice versa. Oh, yeah. You know that? Yeah, you brought that up. Yeah, I'm aware of that, too. You just reactivate something in my brain. Yeah, there was, 
Yeah, there's that as well. And again, Gavin Newsom, um, you know, another Democrat cock blocker against the, the 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 unions. I mean, the reason why I'm not bashing Republicans as hard here is because at least they meant it for their anti-union. So there's a little bit of honesty there. I'm sure there's pro-union Republicans. There's a nuance to that, but I'm not going to get into that. That's very true. I'll be hearing accidents with those driverless vehicles. I mean, the computer is not advanced just to keep constantly calculating the ever dynamic changing conditions of the road. It's ultra complicated, but yet human brains are able to do it. We've been doing it for at least, yeah, at least for a few centuries. Yeah. I mean, the other day I was in San Francisco. I had to go to a meeting. It's about an hour south of where I live. And I was in the left-hand turn lane behind one of the Waymo driverless cars. And it just wouldn't go left. So I was stuck behind it. And there were two or three cars behind me. So each of us had to back around and go around the car, creating a very dangerous situation. And, you know, that's what we're facing. I mean, and in San Francisco, there was never a vote, even by the city council, to approve the use of the driverless cars. It was done by the Department of Motor Vehicles, which to me is crazy because they're not here on the ground like the supervisors are, knowing the danger that's created by those Waymo cars. Yeah, I mean, don't get me wrong, AI is such impressive technology and computerization, but they need tighter regulations and they need to be controlled. They need to be tested thoroughly. Obviously, they haven't been tested thoroughly and they've created these problems. I'm sure problems are going to happen, but you're talking about, yeah, you already said blocking ambulances that could potentially save a life. And that delay could definitely um, increase the deaths because you're obstructing the ambulance job and the ability to get to the, the sick or the dying individual and, you know, and get them to the hospital in a timely matter. Exactly. And, and, and also, also, they you know, you should charge that obstruction of justice, too, because they're blocking the police's ability to get to the scene as well and oh and and the fire department and other very essential services well forget the about that the chief raised hell the fire chief that when his fire trucks on the way to a an actual fire got blocked you know he really raised hell i mean here's a little bit of a humorous story but just gives you a sense that how unsophisticated the technology still is the other day one of the waymo cars drove into 20 feet of wet cement and couldn't get out. So, you know, that tells the whole story. I, oh my Lord. I, 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 that is, I would definitely laugh at something like that. But to bring it to a serious point, that is just, no, you see, they could have been thoroughly tested. See, your supervisors know, but the people making decisions. They're just in an ivory tower, just looking over. Oh, it's perfectly fine. Oh, it's perfectly fine. Just, just, just let them go. And besides, and it's always, you know, financial interests, political exactly. interests with these damn things. You know, if it was really about the big picture and all of that, they would have been tested for at least five more damn years at least. And at least do a small test run with one vehicle instead of having a lot of them all over the place already causing great hell and uh, what i like to call why well, bash new york even though i'm a native new york i call the rotting apple because not doing so well <laughs> and then and then, well for san francisco i call san francisco with all this crazies i'm not the first one to say san francisco so i'm not gonna take credit a lot of people said it before me it's so great i had to steal it yeah i never so, heard that i never heard that expression so i just learned something new from you yeah, no, I, I think that's why I get for listening to comedians of all spectrums, the left, the right, the center. Yeah, yeah, I mean, the right call it San Francisco and well, especially the right in the center. I don't think the left wing would, um, left would, based on what I watch, of course, would not call it their call San Francisco that. But yeah, no, I mean, listeners, I hope you're getting this. This is, uh, this is some um, crazy stuff. With these humanless drivers and these computers are dumb as hell because they cannot 
calculate or make great decisions based on ever-changing road conditions. Well, so let, me, let me throw one more thing into the discussion, just sure. exactly based on what you just said. We have to have jobs for people to do, you know? And every time these technologies eliminate jobs, people end up on the streets homeless because at this point, there just aren't enough jobs. I had to go to the city to a meeting and I was downtown. And the only parking was a very expensive parking lot. So I go down three levels of cement and it's got one of those barcodes that you gotta match up to your phone. Well, I'm a technological neophyte. I could not figure out how to pay by lining my phone up. Then it has a phone number. So I tried to call the phone number. Well, the phone won't go through three floors of concrete. When I got back to my car after only an hour being downtown, they had put an $87 ticket on it. Now, keep in mind, when I drove in, there was no ticket to give you. There was no one to collect a parking fee on your way out. They had eliminated a job that, you know, people who aren't skilled could and would be doing. And those people have to work or we end up with a situation we have a disenfranchised part of the population that lives on the streets and it's just not an acceptable way for any kind of system to operate oh i absolutely agree i mean i'm sure the homeless problem is really prominent and in, in that in that area and well in new york and obviously new york city too i'm i mean but new york city i think it's just more on yeah technology Plus corporate financial institution corruption and you know and any corruption and competence of the government and all of all that other stuff. Yeah, no, I think they need some human intervention. And you, you to your point, create jobs for someone to operate the gate, someone to assist you in real time when you have those problems. Cause you know, not everyone is technologically adept. You know, they keep forgetting there is a still a big population of people who are not technologically uh, adept. I don't want to sound like an ageist. You know, they come from old, older generation because they weren't exposed to that kind of stuff. You know, people are a product of their own time. Exactly. You know, you can't just you can't just expect a 60, a 60 some year old. Don't get me wrong. I, I've trained my mom who was in that age range how to use a smartphone. I got her to master the basics of it. And it took time, but she got it. Right. Um, but, you know, but that's not the average um, person that age grade. I'm going to stop using these labels that the media likes to use, you know, the boomer, the, the Gen X, Gen, the millennial, the Gen Z. I said, I'm, I'm getting tired of that. I stopped playing that game because at the end of the day, it's kind of stupid. Yeah, but the older generation in general, they are less skilled in technology because they didn't have to do it for such a long time. Right. Not that you can't learn. You just don't have the time to learn because you have so much stuff going on. Well, in my case, I can't learn. I got to be honest. If I wasn't married to someone who helps me with technology, I, I would be lost. So, but you know, one of the things to keep in mind is when I started in the auto industry in the early 70s, there were 750,000 auto workers in this country. Right now, at the big three, there's only 150,000. That's quite an attrition rate over a relatively short period of time. So it reinforces the need to unionize these battery plants and EV plants. For example, Elon Musk, the owner of Tesla, has cornered about 60% of the sale of electronic vehicles in the United States. Now, no one would argue that he's one of the worst bosses that's wa walked the earth. The number of discrimination suits filed against that company by black workers are endless. And they've won millions of dollars because the company condoned just intolerable situation where workers were writing stuff on the bathroom walls, you know, bring back slavery, you know, I'm white man, I shouldn't be having to work a slave job. And they busted the union attempt. 
So until the conditions and the wages at a Tesla can be brought up to those in the UAW, it's a real problem because people who work there and I've talked to them can't afford a decent living on what they're making at the Tesla plant down in Fremont. Yeah, no, I definitely heard about their substandard wage. Said what? He's he is what? Yeah, one of the richest people in the world. I think the richest. That's what they say, the richest. Yeah, and yet these people can't get a decent wage. I'm sure you could shove out a couple of hundred million, which I'll be chump change some. Yeah, no, I've never been a big fan of Elon Musk. You know, he pretends to be freedom of speech. That one rolled my eyes. Yeah, it's only freedom of speech at his fucking convenience. Let's yeah. just be very clear. I mean, that that's what a lot of people, and I try to be as consistent as I can. Look, I'm freedom of speech until until you threaten somebody and all of that. I Look, I even allow the people to be racist because you want to know why? You can document them and people could throw backlash for who they are. I wouldn't censor them because now they'll turn to a martyr. That's why I disagree with the censorship. Should they get backlash? Oh, absolutely. They should be called out. That's the crowd's freedom of speech to express their disgust of such, you know, like it was like you said, I'm just going to quote the graffitis in the bathroom. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. But white man should work a slave job. Wow. Talk about in racial entitlement right there. Yeah, race, yeah, racial time, but I will be. Well, I'm, I'm assuming it's mostly men working in there. That's just an assumption. What's a male version of a Karen? Maybe a Ken, whatever. That they this the, the internet split on that. I would go with a Ken because a Ken is but not Kyle. I'll go with a Ken. Ken, Karen, that sounds nice. That, that flows better. Yeah, so a bunch of Kens, the entitled white man who's racist. We'll just ride graffiti. Oh, I should be working a slave job. Or 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 you know, or these ends or need to go to the plantation or you know, think you know, crazy stuff like that, which I'm absolutely against. I mean, I've known certain people who even just jokingly say, Oh, we gotta get back, we gotta get back to listen, listen, listen. I'm not gonna even joke. As much as I'm into crude and morbid sense of humor, I said, Look, we are we just we are still trying to get further away from that. And I don't have the stomach to joke, joke about, oh, go back to the plantation. No, I'm, I'm not going to entertain that. No. no I mean, yeah. You know, when, when, that, when that used to occur at American Motors, where I worked, which at the time was the fourth auto company in the United States, there was just one example where there was that exact type of racist graffiti on the bathroom walls. And the workers in the area, and a lot influenced by the work we had done in the factory, started a group grievance of something like 15 workers, you know, Chicanos, Mexican-Americans, Blacks, and whites. And they took, demanded that the company monitor and end that kind of rampant racism. So the company was forced to paint over all the bathrooms, take down the graffiti. And I think whenever we see that type of behavior or that type of propaganda, it's, it's contingent upon all of us to do something about it, you know, to take a stand. Uh, you know, when we put out a newsletter in the factory, Fighting Times, which is the name of the book, we had two planks that we stood on. One plank was fighting white supremacy and racism. And the other plank was fighting male chauvinism and discrimination of women. And there was not an issue of our newsletter that didn't take on those issues in one way or the other. If we were asked to go down to Tupelo, Mississippi by an organization called the United League of Mississippi, a black organization, asked for people all over the country, it was around 1980, I believe, to come down to Tupelo to march against the growth of the Klan. Ku Klux Klan was experiencing a rebirth and the police treatment of young Blacks and demanding that more jobs in town be given to Black workers. Well, when we drove up with a busload of us from Milwaukee, we parked in front of the Tupelo Police Department. And I looked to my right out the bus window and out marched 25 hooded 
Klansmen who were the police. They had axe handles, they had pistols, and they're supposed to be there to serve and protect, but they were the Klan. And as we marched on that march, the Klan was lined up all through the town with their carrying their rifles, long guns. And had it not been for the black Vietnam vets who had put a pickup truck in the front of the march, loaded up with semi-automatic weapons. So it was like a nuclear standoff. You know, if you start shooting us, we're coming back at you with the same firepower. But that wasn't that many years ago. And now that we see that same sort of racist attitude being condoned and being expounded on things like Twitter or X, as it's called, we need to push back. We need to push back against it whenever it raises its ugly head. Oh, yeah, no, yeah, absolutely. I mean, the good news is rather one has a pro or anti-immigrant stance, the country is more diverse, but doesn't mean we should just sleep and say, oh, this country is going to get less racist. Look, we get all kinds of people coming in. No, I just, I believe we need to maintain vigilance, just like you said, because it could just rear, it could just pop back up again. It could be one form or another. It doesn't matter. One needs to know what it is. And I just think racism makes people just very, very, not just hateful, but just be frank, stupid. It's stupid. It's just, you know, people just raised the wrong way. It could come from, I don't know, a screwed up life, broken, a broken family, whatever it is, or just prejudice parents are spewing that to their children, whatever it is. It just, yeah, it needs to be called out and, and prevented. Like you say, I've never met a racist baby. It has to be right. learned. Kids get along just fine with other races. Yeah what they're taught that sends them in a direction that's not good for any of us yeah no it's definitely taught it's not something that it's not something that you're absolutely right that that a child is born with okay this white baby's born as a demon he hates all black people hispanic people or this black one hates the white one vice versa no it's taught it's definitely taught is the child was conditioned a certain way taught certain indoctrination saying oh this one got too much melanin bad person because they, they do this, they listen to rap, they wear saggy pants, you know, you know, the whole stereotype thing. Yeah, no, it's absolutely wrong indeed. And it's it's something that it, it needs it needs to be done. And I'm happy that it's been exposed because if you just keep censoring things like that, I think it's just gonna grow in another direction. It's gonna be like a snake. You block this pathway, it's just gonna slither through the other. No, nope, expose it for what it is and call it out and they'll make changes and yeah and i'm actually happy that the lawsuits were happening um news was pissed about it i've been watching newsmax they just to see how they do coverage because i want to give my own opinion um they're leaning a little more to the center right now which is shocking but still they they was praising elon Musk. oh why are they going after him because of freedom of speech i said but discrimination and whatever they're their, their whole reasoning didn't connect. Their whole reasoning didn't connect. It was just some guy getting pissed off about because he's a, he's another business guy. And I said, hey, listen, if he's discriminating and if they could prove it, let the case go. If, if you're so confident that it's going to get dismissed, let the case go through. But you already said they already bleeding out money. And, of course, they will react like that. It's all about the almighty dollar. Well, and let me let me just give one more anecdote from the book which, you know, I'm going to just encourage people because a lot of these lessons are in, contained in the book. And I'm really proud to say that I've now sold 3,600 books, which for an independent author is considered quite successful. But it's not the success that I'm interested in. It's the impact that the book has on inspiring and teaching people. But when we worked back at American Motors, we had some foremen that were just intolerable cretins. One of them was named Steve Freeman. And we decided that we had to focus our newsletter in part just on Steve Freeman. 
Let me give you an example why. He went up to a black worker on the assembly line and he took a 35 pound air gun, threw it at him and called him a lazy N-word. He then went up to two black women and I'm glad that we have this being a visual podcast. And he pointed his fingers like this and he said, bang, bang, two dead blackbirds. And then went up to them and said, you know, to one of them, I like you better if you weren't so flat chested. Then a Latina woman up the line saw him opening up a pack of chewing gum and asked, could she have a piece? And his response was, if I can have a bite of your tits. And when she called me over as chief steward to tell me about that story, she was in tears. And she said, if my husband ever found out about that, he would come in here and he would kill that foreman. And she was serious. So I promised her that the union would do something about Steve Freeman. So we made up these stickers. Hold on one second, I'm gonna grab one. We started this column called Scab of the Month. And this is one of the stickers that's both in the book and here's a copy of it. And let me just do a little academic citation real quick. Page 203. Wow, you're good, you're on it. and. We plastered them, not we, the people, plastered them all over the department we worked in. They were on the back of Steve Freeman's shirts. They were on his desk. They were everywhere. And then seven stewards, union stewards, started trailing him around all night like a puppy dog train. The next thing that people did is 27 people in his section of 30 put up their hand at the same time and demanded to go see the nurse. What really topped it off was we had a very strong union contract. And if a salary personnel did a union person's job in any component of it, they could be written up a grievance filed and the grievance, the person writing up the supervisor for picking up a screw, for putting in a part, that person would get an hour's pay. So we put out the word bounty hump Bounty hunting is open on Steve Freeman. So he couldn't walk anywhere in that plant without being written up. Finally, the union brought in the Fair Employment Practices Committee. And for the first time, they recommended to the company that he be discharged. And he was the first foreman that was ever discharged for that type of behavior. Now, of course, there's a twist in the story because he decided to sue us for $4.2 million in a defamation lawsuit. And he managed to gather up, I think about five other supervisors who we had criticized in the same fashion as we had Freeman, and they filed a defamation lawsuit. Ironically, or perhaps not ironically, perhaps as you would think, the company surreptitiously went to them and said, do you want us to fund the lawsuit? We want to stifle the fighting times. So that became a big movement in the factory to defend the fighting times, to stand up for free speech. And we went to a jury trial. And although the judge was very biased against us, the jury were our own people. They punched a clock. They worked hours as salary people. And in the end, they refused to award any damages against us, the plaintiffs, the ones who put out fighting times. So it was a great victory. And then the National Labor Relations Board turned around and sued American Motors for having funded it. And they were forced to pay us 230,000 for our lawyers fees and for time off the job that we had lost. So we were always fighting for the good, the cause And, you know, we eventually were elected to the top positions in the union. But I'll let you go back. I know you've done a lot of work to prepare for this interview. No, no, no. Keep on talking. They they heard me. They they heard me enough times, you know. No, keep on talking. This is your story. You have every, not just a story, you know. You documented it real well. And, you know, there's more, there's more than one interesting picture besides that, besides that scabbing them up sticker. 
you know, and you dealt with the violent riots, this difference between protests and riot. Protests is peaceful, riots gets crazy and violent. You even dealt with a couple of those as well, especially the more of the earliest sections of the book, I believe. I forget where exactly, but you, yeah. you went through you went through the whole nine yards. I mean, well, in the Vietnam War created such an angry reaction among young people. And that's where the violence really took place, is in protesting the war. And, you know, we felt like it was an issue that really confronted each of us personally, because we were of draft age. And it was our mission to end the war. In the end, it was primarily soldiers on the battlefield who were refusing to fight, they were putting out 220 underground newspapers across the country and in Vietnam. And that really brought the war to a halt because they could no longer count on the armed forces because people had so turned on the war as being, you know, a war that didn't serve anyone in this country and did a disservice to the people in Vietnam. But I'd like to go back to a little bit of the story. After we went down to Tupelo to march against the Klan, we put out a flyer in the shop explaining that we had been down there marching and what the issues were. And I went to the tavern after work and I felt something sticking into my stomach. And I looked down and it was a 38. And the guy next to me said, you're John Melrod, the damn commie Jew that puts out fighting times. I want you to know I'm a member of the White People's Nationalist Socialist Party. I'm a Nazi. Well, that was a, what do you do? Well, I ordered double shots for both of us. And then as soon as we did those down, I ordered more double shots. And we began to talk. And I said, look, Deadeye, when you have a sit down in the trucking department because the company fired your steward for refusing a direct order, who was out at the plant gates fighting to get him his job back, fighting times. And when there was a thousand jobs that were gonna be moved out of this factory and sent to Canada, who started the fight to stop those jobs from being transferred? Fighting times. Now the union came in and got very involved and we called a strike vote and we stopped the movement of those thousand jobs, which teaches you a lesson that nothing is set in stone. When the employer first announced the loss of those jobs, people kind of said, you know, they own the company. What can we really do about it? But we said, no, we've been working here, many of you for 30, 35, 40 years and you've devoted your life to this company, and that's not acceptable that those jobs will leave families without a breadwinner. And we were able to stop it. And that's a lot, the lesson of the book is, organizing, standing up, being militant can really make a difference, be it in the civil rights movement, the student movement, the anti-Vietnam War movement, or most importantly, in, most importantly for me, was through reforming the union, making it more democratic, making it more responsive to people's needs. So I'm just gonna say this once for your listeners, to get the book, if you go to pmpress.org, pmpress.org, and you put in the discount code FIGHTING, all in capital letters, you get a 40% discount. So I just want your listeners to know that that's available if they're interested in the book. Oh no, absolutely! Come on, forty percent off. It's it's uh well, even with that, it's already a very affordable book. You know, I don't credit card it. Something beg for someone for money. Go get the book. Actually, don't do too much of that. It's going to cause unnecessary drama. I really don't recommend that. I wouldn't myself. Um, yeah, no, get get this book. This is a good book. Um, this definitely restored my hope in a union and i'm not and the impact you have doesn't surprise me i sense i sensed it i normally don't sense these things a lot of these you can just tell they just make it just make books just to get a big check yeah i'm not getting a big check out of it no i, I could just suck because i read some of it 
what some of them say. You got to find out if it's worth it or not. Should have done what I did back then. I used to scan through the book and Barnes and Noble is to see if it's worth it. Yep, I put it back. Lame, pathetic. No, this book is quite interesting because for a while I was like, should I even, should I even read this? You know, even though some certain political positions of mine are have leaned a little, a little more on the right, not so much the right, but on certain things, so it's like, yeah, let me give it a shot. Yeah, get get this book. This is this is the reason why the next generation of new, successful, and emboldened, militant, impactful leaders. This book could definitely do it. He's not just talking a good game. He's done it. Just remember that. You know, I'm, I'm going to criticize someone here that's, that I think the opinions can be controversial. I'm going to say, you know, no offense. He's not Al Sharpton now. All he does is just talk in the damn network. He's done it. He's spreading real knowledge. And he's not, look, he's not um, doing it for the for the big check. That I can easily believe. He could have if he wanted to, I'm sure. But no, he just cares about the impact. And I'm, I'm sure that the impact is spreading. You know, and thank goodness there's other alternative news outlets like the Real News Network. It's a good one that if you want to follow more union, more worker based news that focuses on the workers on the ground, they do this stuff. And I pay attention to them. They they do some compelling work and actually just revitalize. Well, I'm going to be selfish. Yeah, revitalize my interests, really. I said, okay, there's stuff going on. There is hope. It's not, you know, even though I think this country's become more, you know, oligarch, oligarchy has been creeping in, mixed with some communism. But this here could push that back, and we need all the help we could get. You know, I'm sure he's, you know, he him be called commie Jews probably. I forget how many times he's been called that, but it's reoccurring theme. <laughs> okay, it's reoccurring. Now, just by that Nazi, I think even the FBI at one point was on to you. Yeah, well, the FBI. You're right. I mean, if people are interested, if they go to my website, which is jonathanmelrod.com, I posted hundreds of pages of my FBI file. And you can really see that when I started working at American Motors and I led a few struggles that were impactful, like leading people to not work overtime because it was voluntary and because there were unemployed people that needed jobs when they sped up the assembly line by three cars an hour, we formed a caucus of young people in the union to organize a fight against that speed up. And after a couple of days, the company backed off and added a new person to every section. The company then went to the FBI and said to the FBI, what do we do about this guy, Melrod? And there's a memo in the, on the website where the FBI responded, get rid of him, fire him, and don't ever let him back. And a couple of days later, they had three security guards drag me out of the factory, you know, at, with people yelling, let's stop work to sit down, because nobody had ever been fired in that factory in its history since the 1930s for being active as a union member against poor working conditions and wages and hours. So the National Labor Relations Board in the end came in and blasted American Motors in their decision, calling them McCarthy-like, bringing back the anti-communism of the McCarthy period, and they ordered me reinstated. It did take about 2,005 days for me to eventually get the Seventh Circuit Court of Appeals, the court right under the Supreme Court, to finally issue an order to put me back to work. And I've got to say, I was always somebody that felt like I needed to stand up to the company. So when they rehired me, I made up a big copy of the check and I walked, it, it was my back pay, some $32,000, I think. And I walked down the assembly line as slow as I could walk, showing everyone that check. And even if people thought I might be a little too radical, Everybody loves David beats Goliath. And people were just cheering for, for the fact that AMC could hire corporate law firms, corporate lawyers, and yet I could still stand up to them and win my job back.
Yeah, yeah. But I mean, if the FBI is on to you, that means you're doing some um impacts. That, that I mean, they target someone like Martha, you know, Martha Luther King Jr. and a couple of others, you know, around that time, relatively, just to make it simple. Uh, yeah, and you know, and they just—I can understand they target someone who is a nut, who is gonna bomb buildings and things like that. Yeah, they'd be doing their job, but someone who's just creating a positive social human change, yeah, that's how you know that it, that the system is flawed. Let me just put it very nicely. And you wasn't the first. So you definitely, you're definitely not the last. So a couple of examples of the FBI target from other people who are making big changes. They see you have massive influence, making positive change in unity. I don't know. The FBI seems to go after you. Definitely going against the system status quo. You're right. Um, so um, let's see if the FBI is going to take this, this episode down. <laughs> well, I, that, 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 that part, I'll, I'll probably be afraid to be big right there. But nah, I'm I'm insignificant. I'm gonna stay insignificant for a while, and I'm gonna enjoy the blessings of being a, in a small pond until this thing grows bigger. So, oh, oh, lies of support economy. As a listener, I'm for freedom of speech. You can be pretty left, pretty right. The only thing I discriminate is low value. I mean, real, real nasty people to the core. Yeah, that's my only discrimination. And you know, there's just certain things I'm just not gonna put up with. Let me see that. I mean, there was just one potential guest I was gonna have, and then he just freaking re- stop. Let's get back to why I promote people. I don't need to agree with them, but as long as they're doing some good work, I look at the big picture. I'm a pragmatist. In the end of the day, more options we have, the better. The way I exactly. see it, that's the kind of person I am. Yeah, even as a Christian, I'm 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 on the pragmatic sense. Yep, and you know, some of these titles here, you know, he did put a warning, especially if you're sensitive, you stupid woke people especially. I love to criticize those folks. Yeah, I don't I really don't care about their about their little opinion. That's if you haven't struggled and you're bitching. Melra has a lot more reasons to bitch about life and be bitter or cynical. And I don't understand why. Well, you I should know. probably when you say that, I should probably tell your viewers that. The book starts out talking about how in 2004, I was diagnosed with terminal pancreatic cancer and only given six months to a year at most to live. And I told the surgeon that wasn't possible. I couldn't die. I had a seven-year-old and a 10-year-old and I wasn't gonna leave them behind. And I decided to utilize every treatment to fight that pancreatic cancer that I could that I could find. And that went the spectrum from Chinese medicine to alternative medicine, to diet, to reduction of stress, chemotherapy, radiation. And it was a tough fight. But 10 years after I was still alive, they finally said to me, we haven't been able to say this to anyone else, but you beat the disease. The point reason I, I bring it up is because they traced that illness directly to my exposure to industrial toxins. When I first started working, I was working in a small factory where there was a vat that paint trays went through after they were stamped out by the punch press. And to do that, somebody puts a layer of oil on the metal so that it won't stick to the dye. They had me cleaning the vat that those paint trays ran through without any protective gear, with no respiratory protection. And after a half hour, I started getting dizzy. You know, I felt like I was going to be nauseous. I jumped out, but there was my straw boss standing there and said, hey, it's your job. You got to do it. And in part, that's where the name fighting the class war comes from because they could have done that with an alternative chemical that wasn't dangerous. When I looked at that barrel of trichloroethylene, it was a big 50 gallon barrel. And on the side was a red skull and crossbones. And the same thing happened when I worked at American Motors, where we were told to rinse our hands to get the grease and the paint off them in trichloroethylene. 
So my cancer was most directly linked to those exposures, which is something that working class people have to go through if you've got a family. You can't say, oh, I'll take a pass today. I'll take a, you know, I, I won't attend class because you got to work for a living. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, definitely. Yeah. I think I'm just a paraphrase, but it's like, bitch, you better get that shit done. I don't care if you got any protection or anything like that. Hey, you know, this is a dope podcast. If you have kids, listen to it. They're corrupt. You fail as a parent. Not my fault. Don't obstruct my right to have a podcast. It's because you can't control your kid for listening to mature content. Ironically, I use the word mature content. Yep. And just to refer about the police at the Telepo Police Department, this picture right here is at page 142. Oof. My goodness, my green screen is acting up here. But yep, you can see right here. This is page 142, those Klansmen that he was referring to earlier. Yep. And, you know, he, like I said, this is just a, he's not just talking about, he been there. He documented a lot of this. This is a good, this gives me hope with the union again. You know, you definitely may impact a lot of young people. And who knows? Who knows if I either could support a union. I don't see myself as a leader. Probably see myself as a second in command. More like a person set up. Just avoid that. Let's do this, all that. But you definitely make an impact. There's no doubt about it. You're definitely making an impact. So if you pass on, I'm sure it's going to be a lot of young or even, let me add some middle-aged people. Let me, that's probably re-inspired. Like, oh, crap, this could happen again. You know, right. so not just the, you know, so. Do I agree with every single union strike? Let me just be clear. No, I think some of them are quite stupid. But I do case by case. I just don't try to have a broad stroke, just paint all of them. As, so like the nurses union, like I said, that was great. They fought for their nurses well. Um, which one I thought was stupid. It was one of those 1199 marches I thought was very stupid. I said, ah, that's all march quietly. And yet, yet once the police comes, you got to act. But wow, I said, it's not going to work out. This is dumb. You're not going to get your message across. And the impact of that was very minimal. And I knew that already. Well, you know, it's interesting when you talk about the nurses union, there's about to be the largest strike ever in the history of the country by more than 7,500, that's 75, excuse me, 75,000 hospital employees who work at Kaiser. And what I find that so, why I'm so willing to support these strikes by medical staff from a hospital is they're not just striking for their own better pay. They want more personnel to be able to take care of the patients. And that's a big component of this strike is patient care. So we'll see tomorrow. But if they go out, it will be the largest strike of healthcare providers in the history of the country. Oh, oh no. Yeah. Absolutely. You know what? Yeah. I did heard about that one too. So, oh man, I think, uh, Oh, I got to give this right winger credit on uh, Patrick Ben David value valuetainment. He said this is going to be the year of the strikes and it's happening. So yeah. many strikes are happening. He said, look, this is going to be the year of the strikes. I, I don't think he's pro strike, but he did predict a lot of what's going on based on current events and trends. So yep, 2023 is going to be the year of the strikes. A lot of it's happening. The, the actors, the writers, the auto workers, and now back to the, Nurse, especially Kaiser Permanente, yeah, Permanente, yeah. That I think that's the uh, the system. Yeah, that's the largest I think healthcare system in the U.S. If I'm not mistaken, don't quote me on that. I think one. you're right. I think you're right. Uh, yeah, that's gonna be bigger than the NYC um nurse strike that happened. Uh, I think what was I think it was early this year. Yeah, wow, time flies. Yeah, and you know they they yeah they really that that personal issue has been around for years to say these years if i'm going to figure out the exact year um i probably probably say maybe a decade yeah yeah i think you're right because at least a decade because the what was i gonna say yeah the yeah the the employer they just refuse to hire people they just, they want a nurse to take care 20 people who have no mistakes, quality care within a limited um, time period. No mistakes and all that is going to happen because the nurse is pressured and they have a team. They got to do this and that. And listen, it's not easy. I've talked to a couple of nurses and you know, it's really not 
easy and some of them would rather go back to another job they used to do something just going on take care of one patient doing that one difficult person of 20 difficult people and it's difficult not you know well sometimes it's a patient but it's because of the demands of the employer and unreasonable too and the quality of the care goes downhill from there yeah so yeah when a nurse's strike i'm very confident it's not a selfish one i can't say the same for the uh, to some of the teachers union um that one i'm more critical of because some of the rule defend the bad teachers so don't i have witnessed that myself so now i want me to support the uft i'm good if you fail if your strike fails i don't care i'm not gonna lose sleep over it you know like i, I go case by case that's the kind of person i am that's okay this strike good this strike bad that's where i stand i mean the the united auto workers that's obviously a big cause because of the mega trends that it's going on with the EV and these evolving technologies that is trying to eliminate the human component of the factory. I mean, if they got their way, they'll try to automate everything. The owner. They'll try to automate everything because, you know, a machine's not going to beg for, oh, I need health care. I got a family. Nope. Or, 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 or become a smart ass with the boss. Nope. The worst it'll do is break down or replacing them is relatively easy. They're rather giving health insurance. Yeah, that's your everything you're saying is just the truth. Yeah, no, I mean, I try to look, I like to have fun and sometimes act stupid, but this is serious stuff here, and it's not the it's not the time and the place place for it because I like to give some entertainment here and there because it's stuff we we talk about is heavy. This is heavy, heavy stuff. This is not for the faint of heart. If you're weak, squirmish, or just very, very selfish, this episode is definitely not for you. But if you're a pro-union, I'm not going to say you're left or the right. You're just very pro-union. You believe in the worker class causes of having more work balance, more health benefits to make a living easier. You know, this is the episode for you. And I'm going to put the link about the, the discount. Also, the your website. I knew I was missing something. It was your personal website. So I'll definitely put that down. That's great. And put the PM and put the PM press.org, not .com. I think I said .com. Yeah, .org. Forget the .com. I had a little Biden moment, so ignore that. <laughs> That's all I can say for there. Uh, the stuff he talked about, he referred a lot of it to the beginning chapters with the with the Vietnam War, the student protests, and him beginning working there, being exposed to that filthy chemical. I'm not going to say the name. And he already said it for me and about the the exposure to the police KKK intersection, they were merged into one sadistic entity. I mean, you know, I'm happy that they're quiet down because, of, yeah, you did talk about the 80s. And I think I heard a little bit about the KKK when I was a baby. I mean, my baby, by like five, six years old, was about the KKK. I was actually scared. So, oh, I don't want them coming after me. I think my skin is too too dark and i have some latino and i'm sure I'm, I'm part of the target i'm sure they list unless i'm as white as these pages don't have any words on them. maybe i'll get a pass but no i already read a little bit about us oh no this is scary this is scary you know let them stay in their little corner or ideally have them all arrested and not spread that foul obsolete ideology of racism and promoting social Darwinism. I think that's where I get a lot of their beliefs from. So racist Italian came up with that stuff. I yeah, I read an excerpt of that. I forgot his name. I think Albino's his last name. That white is superior, Asians in the middle, black are apes and inferior. That's a summary of it. That's yeah. a summary of it. And I came from a scientific theory of the strongest survive, but you turn into a race human thing. Um, Galbino, and I'm just happy it's not a lot of people like Galbino left. And of course, he got away with he could he got away with that during that time because that was eight that was 19th century stuff. Yeah, he could have got away with that kind of stuff. We're not as racially conscious and as diverse as integrated as now. And you know, I'm I'm for that. I don't care if I sound like a lefty, but that one I'm I'm for that. You know, America is changing, the population is changing, and we just gotta get with it. Yeah, with it, we'll stay miserable and drink the nostalgia racist Kool-Aid. It's as easy as that. And if you don't like what I'm saying here, well, you can turn off this, this podcast. And I conveniently set that at the end because you had to put up with my shit before I got to that point. That was intentional right there. All right. Is there anything 
you want to add? This has been great. Well, yeah, let me add one thing. I don't really talk about it in the book because it was there wasn't such a movement. But the this climate crisis that we're facing is really such an existential question. It calls on all of us to be active and vocal. And I was really excited to see that many young people in New York City marching for further battling the climate crisis. And it's it's essential to all our lives. So I just think that's important that we go away with an understanding that there's a place for all of us to be active and to make a difference. And no matter where you decide to do it, that's great. But in the future, the climate's going to be real important. And I hope people who are watching take that into consideration when they make their choices on what they're going to do with their lives to try and improve this world. You know, that's a very good point. And um, that's this is one of the positions that I always agree with the left-leaning people. Climate change is here. I mean, let me just use a very local example. And this is recent. Forget about forget about five years. Sandy happened in 2012. You know, New York City is not ready for a full-blown hurricane. Millions will die. And this is not an exaggeration. It's not me saying it's going to be the end of the world. But New York City is ill-prepared, to put it mildly, to deal with full-blown I mean, superstorms did damage. Okay? And now going to two years ago, I believe, when Irene did a heavy rainstorm. I think, I think it was a superstorm, I believe. I could be wrong. But the main point is it flooded parts of New York City. You know, Bronx... That's supposed to be hilly and more resilient. The major deacon was completely submerged. Traffic was clogged up from, from neighborhoods, multiple neighborhoods, hundreds of blocks, literally. And that was only two years ago. And now, a couple of days ago, another flooding happened, damaging a couple of subways. And of course, you can add that to the one that happened two years ago. Yeah. I was working from home and I remember, I said, oh, thank goodness I was working from home at that time with my day job. Yeah, we need to get it together. And I've been more, normally, if you want to talk to me about this 15 years ago, I would have been more argumentative. I said, oh, sh shut the hell up. The earth, the earth will heal itself. It'll find a way to heal itself, okay? Y'all being dramatic, y'all being babies. Y'all just, you, you, you know, maybe you're sniffing the wrong plant. I would have been, I would have been argumentative. But I'll say in the I'll say the past five years, I'll say, oh crap, we actually need to take this seriously. More yeah. crazy weather patterns has been happening. I've been more alert and paying attention to the big picture, what's going on on Earth, such as my own personal life. Sometimes it's hard, it's easier said than done, mind you. But it's worth it. Yeah, weather's been getting crazier. I mean, you check the normal temperatures to so some of the temperatures now. It's been colder, hotter than usual. I mean, the weather has become more of a roll of dice. Who well, knows? Yeah, it could I, snow. It could snow in freaking June. Well, I was just out in Minneapolis this last week, and I thought I was going to be cold, so I brought a heavy coat. On Sunday, it was so hot that they canceled the marathon in Minneapolis. Well, that tells you the whole story right there. Yeah, and that's a much, generally a much colder state than New York. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Minneapolis hot. Oh, yeah, and even Texas, the snow happened. Yeah, I think it was, I think it was last year. Yeah, snow's a very arid state overall. Yeah, you know, weather has really have truly become a roll of dice. And who knows? I mean, there was already a couple of summer, I mean, a couple of winters that we didn't have any snow or real chill. In a few summers that they there was you know a few days obviously that that's been chillier than normal. I mean, we need to get it together. I mean, I'm happy that businesses are doing their part. I'm doing my part. And like I said, I if you would have talked to me 15 years ago or even 10 years ago, I would have been, oh y'all, you crazy, you crazy lefties, please. Nervous gonna heal itself. Don't worry about it. Y'all just being dramatic. It's good that we head in a direction of sustainability. 
um, definitely taking care of the earth and you know because we live in it even though they're billionaires like elon musk and a couple of us trying to make a second planet their home through mars or moon i don't know which is going to happen sooner and they're thinking about that so, ah, who cares we, we'll fuck up earth then we probably have a plan planet b would be either well, for their sake, but I'm either either gonna start living the moon or in Mars, and I'll just say, no matter how great our technological advancement is, we are still not ready for that. We can just barely make trips back and forth to these days. But don't get me wrong, I'm for innovation, but we need to get our act together on Earth, and then I'll be more confident that we can expand to these other areas. We just gotta get our priorities straight. That's my main point. Well, you know, it sounds like we're getting ready to wrap up. So if I can, I'd like to read the, basically the last page of the book. And it was from the president of the union who was a real reform, a real militant in the best sense of the word, who cared for everybody in the factory. And when I left, he was interviewed by the newspaper and here's what he said about me. Local 72, that's the UAW local we were in. Local 72's loss is somebody else's gain. He'll always be out there trying to correct injustice. John will always be there with integrity, caring about people and trying to help them. So I hope you pick up a copy of the book and I appreciate you inviting me on the podcast. This is uh this is for me. This is my this fills my void. So this is a purpose that I've been doing just to try to get this country back in a more right direction, one step at a time. And it could be multiple ways. So that's not to be just a conservative or just a liberal, maybe a mix, maybe a mix of that and a little other and maybe the people in the middle that disenfranchised and frustrated could just push. America, it's the right day. It's the people that makes the country great, not the politicians. Let's just be absolutely clear. It's the people. People of America, the people of America makes this country great. Not the, not the not the not 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 the scums of um, Congress and even um some business people. So, alrighty then, I'm gonna wrap this up for wherever for wherever you listen to this. You have a blessed day, afternoon, or night.